the green light. Green light. This is Jackson here. And Lauren. And we're back. We're back. We're back from the beach. This is our first episode back from the beach, right? Yes. Or am I crazy? Okay. <laughs> Just wanted to make sure I wasn't fumbling the bag. It there. does feel weird that we haven't recorded in like two weeks. But yeah, it does. It does. Uh, but hey. I mean, I here. guess we recorded for the mass, mass Singer, but. That's true. The finale. Uh, but yes, we're here. We had a good time at the beach. Uh, yeah. Thank you for all your well wishes. I'm not sure if anyone did, but if you did, <laughs> I'm forgetting it. <laughs> Thanks thank for you. thinking it. <laughs> yeah, uh, we. Uh, it, it was a fun time, not just at the beach, but back yeah. home in general, uh, visiting the East Coast. Uh, it is so weird, though, just thinking like, uh, it feels like the three hours on the East Coast feels more significant than the three hours here, just because like, I, I don't know. It was like it was like eight o'clock, and I'm like, man, the day's pretty much over for me. And then it's like five o'clock, and people are still working here. I don't yeah. know. It was weird, but we're back. We're back on the West Coast time. Uh, we're back. So yeah, that's yeah. all I got. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. So just to keep you all updated, next week we are doing our special episode of the month. Yes, I guess. What do we do here, Lauren? By yeah, the way, yeah, yeah. So Forgot what we do normally, including this week, is um. We go through old movies, new movies, all kinds of movies, and talk about whether or not we would green light them. We yep. talk about some yep, specs. Yep, yep. We talk about some trivia. Yes, we do. And yeah. That is us. Um, so, yeah. And yeah. Like Lauren said, next week we're going back to our old format where we're going to have a new script on. We're going to be interviewing the writer. We're going to be reading the script and doing a mini version of our detours. But that'll be fun. Yeah. That should be it's fun. A, it's a short horror script. Yes, it is. So it should be fun. <laughs> ah! Yep, that'll How'd be I Jackson because he's. Uh, it's actually a really tight, like it's a one character thing, so it'll it'll nice, just be tight, us. So a nice tight. That'll be nice. Just, just hanging out with us again. Yeah, your old parents. Uh, okay, so just a few housekeeping things, I yeah. guess. Uh, we have a new review. We do. Okay, let me read it real quick. I think we actually managed to recruit someone from our other show. Yep, correct. Um, yeah, they said um, hi again. Five stars. Thank you very much. They said I'm sad because who is that is done for now. Us too. Yeah. We don't know when we're getting a new season of The Mass Singer. Sometime we, in the fall. Sometime in the fall, yeah. So yeah. we'll at least have a couple months without it. Yeah. Uh, but we're going to try probably around once a month to do a special episode for our Patreon for that. Yeah. Um. So, you know, potentially watching a different season of The Mass Singer as far as like a, an international season or doing like a, a tier list, a ranking, a, uh, yeah. a, a bracket of sorts. Yeah, um, I mean, potentially branching out into other reality shows just for these bonus ones. Yeah, you know, for sure. We'll see. We'll figure it out. We will have some stuff uh, brewing. Uh, speaking of that yeah. Patreon, though, we have a lot of content for this. Uh, recently, we just released our uh, Greenlit episode for the month of May, yeah. which was 101 Dalmatians, the 1996 live-action version. Starring Glenn Close. Yes, in, in sort of uh, honor of Cruella coming out soon. Well, uh, or it already came being out. Being out now. <laughs> uh, we, we did that. And we have a bunch of other stuff on there as well with this show, Ramble episodes, uh, road trip episodes, if you're so inclined to give us $10. Yeah. We actually, we got to talk about what our road trip is going to be uh, because we have yeah, one coming out do, this month. Uh, Whoa. Yay. 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 Uh, okay. Specs done. Or not specs. Uh, uh, housekeeping housekeeping done. done. Oh, um, so- social media. Who at, uh, not at who is that, at <laughs> TGL underscore pod. Yeah. And at Greenlight Pod on Facebook. And if you are really just, I don't know, if you're just now getting caught up in The Masked Singer, definitely check out our other show, Who Is That? Yeah. The Masked Singer podcast. We have fun over there. It's a good time. We do. Uh, okay. Let's jump into our movies for the week, shall yeah. we? Yeah. <clears throat> Sorry. Uh, so I'm going to go first. Okay. We're back to our normal format of doing one old and one new. 
Uh, we actually, we, I, <laughs> so when I was home, uh, a big pastime that me and my family do is watch movies together. So I watched many movies and, um, and I watched no movies yeah. except for Barbie's the princess and the popper. Yeah. So I, I, depending on like how busy I am back here, I might be dipping into some of those. I have some really good ones that I could talk about, including a couple of new movies. Yeah. Maybe um, we can do a ramble or two. That would be good. Yeah. Especially some of the ones that we might not want to talk about here. Uh, but yeah, so, uh, some new movies, especially that you might be hearing about in the future, Army of the Dead, A Quiet Place Part 2, possibly coming up in the next few weeks, uh, or on Ramble episodes, we'll see. But, I'm talking about an old movie today. We're taking it all the way back to 1974, a little movie called Young Frankenstein. Oh. Now, to preface this, me and my father in one night, and kind of my brother, my brother was on FaceTime and he was watching the uh, original Frankenstein on his end. So we watched the original Frankenstein on TCM, and then my dad was like, man, we should watch Young Frankenstein, because that's good. <clears throat> and so we did that. We, it is on Hulu, I believe. I believe it's on Hulu. So, Young Frankenstein is a 1974 film, released actually on December 15th, 1974, hey. just in time for Christmas. Boom. Get, the, get in the Christmas cheer with Young Frankenstein. So, a synopsis for those of you who don't know uh, what Young Frankenstein is. An American grandson of the infamous scientist, Dr. Frankenstein, who is struggling to prove that his grandfather was not as insane as people believe, is invited to Transylvania, where he discovers the process that reanimates a dead body. So... Uh, this movie is written and directed by Mel Brooks, and if you know anything about Mel Brooks, you know that he does a lot of, like, spoofs, a lot of parodies, yeah. uh, things like that. And this movie is that. Uh, as I'll talk about later, it is a spoof of, obviously, Frankenstein, but also just a lot of, like, classic horror movies from yeah. that area. Obviously, you have Transylvania in there, like, from Dracula, different things like that. So this movie is a spoof. It is a comedy. It is not like the traditional Frankenstein horror boogity boogity. Boobity boobity. Boobity boobity. So, speaking of Mel Brooks, let's talk about him for a little bit, because he's a pretty big name. So, he wrote and directed this film. As far as directing chops goes, uh, he directed 11 films in his career, which might seem like a small number for someone so well-known as him, but some of those were very popular movies, including The Producers and Blazing Saddles. Blazing Saddles actually came out the very same year that the Young Frankenstein did. Huh. Which I find shocking, because both are, like, <laughs> huge movies in, like, especially yeah. in movie history. Huge comedies, for yeah. sure. Um, uh, both of those were released before this movie and or concurrently. I assume Blazing Saddles was before, since this was so far towards the end of the year. Um, and uh, other, he also uh, directed other popular films, many other spoofs. Some you might know are, like, Spaceballs and Robin Hood Men in Tights. Uh, but he also is a big writer, as I'm sure you know. His writing credits are extensive, including all the movies that I talked about. But also, something I didn't know, he was a writer and I believe creator for the original Get Smart TV show. Huh. Yeah. Uh, I was a big fan of the Get Smart movie with Steve Carell. Still am. There you go. I don't know how well it holds up, though. I haven't seen it in <laughs> a while. But I watched it many times in my youth and very much enjoyed it. So that was a cool thing. All right. Uh, yeah, so like I said, uh, known for writing spoofs, uh, many of the movies that he written and directed are... Uh, including movies like Blazing Saddles, History of the World Part 1, Silent Movie, Robin Hood, Men in Tights, High Anxiety, and Spaceballs. Um, when you get Mel Brooks, you're probably going to have a pretty good film. Uh, he won an Oscar for for the producers, and one is, is one of only 15 EGOTs, which Lauren and I were actually talking about before. If you don't know what an EGOT is, it's someone who has won an Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, and a Tony. 
Yes. Uh, and he's also been nominated for two other Oscars as well as 13 Emmys. Um, and yeah, I mean, he, he was really one of the most successful film directors of the 70s, and many of his films throughout his career were among the top 10 moneymakers of the year they were released. Wow. So yeah, Mel, Mel Brooks, a big household name. If you don't know who he is, I suggest you watch some of his movies, because as you'll find out as I talk about this movie, they're pretty good. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, fun fact, this movie was also uh, co-written by Gene Wilder. Uh, this is his first writing credit. Uh, he went on to write eight other things, uh, none of which I've super heard of before, but, uh, you know, I thought that was pretty cool. And if you know about Gene Wilder, you know he also starred in this movie. Yeah. Uh, starred as Dr. Frederick Frankenstein. He didn't like to be called Frankenstein because uh didn't want to call back to the his, his grandfather. Hmm. Uh, I so, thought you were just joking. <laughs> no, I'm not. That's a okay. joke in the movie. Have you seen Young Frankenstein? No. Oh, really? I know a lot of music from the musical. The musical, yeah. It was adapted into a musical. Yes. yes. I'm sure you'll talk about that a little bit later. <laughs> uh, I don't have. A, I don't talk about that a ton, to be honest. Okay. But yes, it was adapted into a musical. Uh, so yeah, getting in who is in this movie. Obviously, Gene Wilder is the lead. Uh, obviously known for his portrayal of Willy Wonka, which was three years before this. But he also starred in The Producers, hey. uh, which was um, uh, another, obviously, uh, Mel Brooks film. Huh. And then For some reason, I was thinking The Producers was a uh, Matthew Broderick and Nathan Lane, but that just must be the Broadway cast. That is, and I think they might have remade the movie, too. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, because the original movie was six, in 67. Oh. Yeah. 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 So he was, he played Leopold Bloom. Uh, Gene Wilder did. Uh, also, some other notable things. Uh, he was in uh, Blazing Saddles as well, mm -hmm. uh, which is, uh, we're going to talk about there's a connection to Blazing Saddles, obviously Mel Brooks, but another thing tying in directly to this movie. Uh, so, moving on. Obviously, Gene Wilder is a big one. Uh, then we have Peter Boyle, who played Frankenstein's monster. Uh, he's a big character actor throughout his career. I know him as Raymond's dad, and everybody loves Raymond. Uh, but he has, like, over, like, 100 credits. He's, you know, he's been in a ton of things. Still working today, I believe. I, I Actually, I don't know. Is he alive? <laughs> is Peter Boyle alive, chick? Huh. <laughs> tell, tell a joke, Lauren. Um, My life. Sheesh. That's tough. No. Whoa. He died in 2006. <sighs> No. Man, that was, uh, that was... Not even close. <laughs> I'm swinging a miss on that one. To be well, fair, though, I mean, because it was that long ago, it makes sense that you don't remember his death. Yeah, for sure. For sure, for sure. Uh, so, yeah, if he was still alive, he'd be working to this day, just because that's the kind of man he was, I'm sure. Uh, all right. So then we have uh, playing Igor, Marty Feldman. Uh, this was oh, actually yeah. actually his first big Hollywood acting role in like a, a major movie what do i i know that name and i can't remember his face what has he done uh, uh i mean truthfully he's actually a big writer he wrote a lot of tv uh a lot of the things i didn't know him from uh he also starred in the adventure of sherlock holmes's smarter brother with gene wilder and that was one of the things that gene wilder wrote as well so they have a connection beyond this um are you thinking of Corey feldman maybe yeah yeah. I was thinking of Corey Feldman. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, never yeah. mind. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, but M Marty Feldman, as we'll talk about later, is outstanding um, in this role, even though this was his first film. Uh, seems to be a big comedy guy, so it makes sense that he did well yeah. here. I definitely, now that I think about it, I have definitely seen, like, I know his face Igor, as Igor. Marty Feldman? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, once again, I, I was I was really surprised to, know, to see that he, um, this was his first major Hollywood role because he did very well. 
Uh, next we have Madeline Kahn as Elizabeth. Uh, she's also another one of uh, Mel Brooks's favorite actors. She also starred in Blazing Saddles. Uh, she was in Clue, uh, Paper Moon, High Anxiety, which is another uh, Mel Brooks, and also The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes' smarter brother, Gene Wilder. Uh, and then, uh, finally, the last person I want to talk about is Cloris Leachman, playing Frau Blucher. Uh, she has over 287 acting credits. Sheesh. So that's really impressive. Um, she was also in a lot of uh, Mel Brooks's films as well. I won't go too far in, obviously, because uh, she has 287 of them. But <laughs> she's been in a lot of stuff, and she was great in this. So, I mentioned earlier that there was a connection to uh, Blazing Saddles in this movie, not beyond just the, the star and uh, director of this film. Uh, so... It was actually Gene Wilder who sort of created this idea for the movie. Uh, while they were shooting Blazing Saddles, uh, Brooks noticed uh, Mel Brooks noticed that Gene Wilder was doodling on a yellow legal pad, and he noticed the title Young Frankenstein, and then this exchange happened. Gene, what the hell is that? Wilder tells him sort of the idea. Gene, what the hell is that? Uh, yes. <laughs> and then, What's your dream for this movie? And then Gene says, my dream is for you to write it with me and direct it. And so they did. There you go. And which I think is interesting, too, because it was while I'm, they were shooting That might be why he saddles. got a writing credit. Like, he might not have really had any, like, aside from the story and creation of it, he Maybe. might not have, like, had a significant writing role in the script itself. I don't know. I, I feel like he might have. I, I could imagine. Maybe improv, too. Yeah. And, and, like, with a lot of the dialogue, I could imagine he probably had some some stuff to do with it. You know, just being a witty man that he is. Um. So let, let's talk about, now that we have sort of the idea where this came from, let's talk about sort of the inspiration for just this film as a whole, sort of where it came from. And obviously, we're going to go back to Frankenstein, the original film. Frankenstein. Frankenstein, if you will. So the original Frankenstein is a 1931 film, I think. Let me make sure. Well, when was the book written, Jackson? 1931. The book was written in 1818 okay. by Mary Shelley. Uh, it's, a, it's a parody of the classic horror film uh and also um of other the other adaptations of the 1818 novel frankenstein um interestingly have you seen the original frankenstein my love no uh so well i hadn't seen it before this so it's okay oh okay uh interestingly enough the the movie is very different from the original book you've read the book correct I not really. I've only okay. read part of it. Well, I know you you have the trifecta going on here. <laughs> yeah. Well, so in the original book, Frankenstein is very much a comp the, excuse me, Frankenstein's monster is very much a complex character. Uh he's eloquent. Uh Well, cuz he's like a guy who had like a near-death experience, almost drowned or something like that or froze to death or something. Frankenstein's monster? Yeah. I think so. I I read like half the book. I got Oh, okay. I thought you read the whole thing. No. Uh, but we had the same thing going on. We both read part of it. <laughs> but I do know that he was uh, he was more eloquent. Um, his actual physical description is not the same that you see in the movie. Hmm. Um, like he's not a huge guy, or well, I mean, he's st he still is a monster, but he's not like this, like you know, dude in a suit with the little uh bolts. things bolts sticking out of his neck and like the the hair or whatever. Um, that was they they took some liberties with the movie, sort of dumbed down his character into this like. This monster, slightly misunderstood, but it's really just sort of monster versus man in mm -hmm. the in the original movie. However, the original movie was very much a commercial success. Uh, by 1953, which I know is a long time after, but they had a bunch of re-releases and things like that. Uh, 
All the Frankenstein runs of the box office resulted in an estimated profit of $12 million, which doesn't sound like a not a lot, but that's about $117 million now um, from 1953 standards, so it might be even more once you consider all the different time periods. Uh, it was also a critical success. Uh, it was widely regarded as one of the best films of 1931. It holds 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. Uh, it was selected for preservation in the National Film Registry as being deemed culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant and has appeared on multiple AFI Top 100 lists. Hmm. Uh, and I think one of the big things that I think is important there is how it's very like culturally significant. Uh, there have been 57 movies or TV shows involving Frankenstein. Um, and, you know, a lot of that can be due to the novel, of course, because of its yeah. huge inspiration. And one of those is the Alvin and the Chipmunks movie. That's Frankenstein, correct, Which is also outstanding. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I, I, I don't think it would have been nearly there would have been as many or especially of the early spinoffs without the success of the original movie. Yeah. Especially because. I feel like a lot of the movies that we see, especially if you're talking about kids' movies or just horror movies, sort of do paint this picture that's more similar to the original movie as opposed to the original book. Yeah. You know? Uh, so, you know, with this movie, Young Frankenstein being a spoof of this, a parody of it, you know, you have a lot of a lot of people who know about this movie, like this movie, would go see a spoof of it, probably. Um, so in order to sort of create this spoof... Um, they, they did a lot to sort of make this movie feel like it was from the 1930s, feel like it was from that era. Uh, they actually were able to reuse much of the lab equipment that were you that was used in the original film. That's cool. A lot of that is the same stuff. Yeah. That feels I, like something you should have saved for two truths and a lie. So I hope those are going to be good. Uh, they're, they're pretty good. Okay. <laughs> they're pretty good. Um, they also employed like 1930s style opening credits and scene transitions. Uh, you can definitely tell the scene transitions. They're like iris outs, wipes, fade to blacks, different stuff like that. Um, another big thing that is obviously uh, immediately noticeable is that this film is in black and white. Uh, and this was actually a big tension between uh, uh, Mel Brooks and the producers of the film. The producers didn't want him to do it. They tried to trick him in a way because they would be like, oh, let's just also shoot it in color just so we have it, you know? And then, uh, but Mel Brooks was so stagnant. He was like, I want to make sure this is shot in black and white. And it was, and I think it works. Um, <laughs> one of the things, as, as I mentioned, uh, obviously, and you know, one of the criticisms of the original films is mm -hmm. that it did sort of simplify the monster. <laughs> So Mel Brooks, uh, in order to sort of uh, mitigate this to sort of, uh, there's a very famous scene in Young Frankenstein, the putting on the Ritz scene. Yes. Uh, have you seen that? Well, it's in the musical. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, if you haven't seen it, uh, and even if you aren't interested in watching this full movie, watch that scene. Uh, it's pretty funny. It's one of the most iconic moments in the scene and probably in the musical as well. Uh, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Um, I only have a few more things, actually, before I get into what I thought about this movie. Okay. Um, oh, yeah. Just just interestingly enough, uh, the first screen test for Young Frankenstein was actually a disaster. Huh. Uh, the movie, the original cut of the film was over two hours, and the audience was really restless. Uh, yeah, Mel movies weren't over two hours then, huh? <laughs> yeah, well. Uh, so Mel Brooks told... Well, it's actually funny you say that. The original Frankenstein was like 80 minutes long. Yeah, it that's was super short. Obviously, this is a very different time when. Well, young see, it's like it's funny because like it really does depend on the content of the movie. I feel like because like the movie oh, yeah. I'm going to be talking about is like an hour and fifty minutes, but it felt long. Yeah, 
Yeah. But anyway, sure. we'll get into that later. Yes, we will. Uh, so Mel Brooks noticed this. Uh, he noticed the audience didn't exactly like it. Um, so he told the audience, ladies and gentlemen, you've just seen a two hour and 22 minute failure. In less than three weeks, I want you back here to see a 95 minute smash hit movie. So he locked himself in the editing room, uh, pared every scene down until the movie clocked in at 90 minutes, brought the audience back, and they loved it. And it became the movie that it was today, which was a critical and commercial success. Boom. So. But How many people got cut out and didn't what? get their royalties? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Those people are probably <laughs> kicking themselves. Yeah. Um, but what do I think? You know? So I, I think with a lot of older movies especially comedies, it it comes into question, does this movie hold up for today's time, as well as especially those comedic moments? Because I think comedy has, has changed a lot since 1974. For sure. It's, it's adapted. This movie holds up, Lauren. Okay. It really does. It is, it, it's not always laugh out loud funny i'll say i there there are a few laugh out loud moments that i think still hold up today i especially love marty feldman's character as igor i think he kills it he's hilarious and he does a great job uh just his comedic timing is perfect um but i think even if you aren't laughing out loud the whole time you can appreciate just like the comedic genius of it and like the wit it's it's just so cleverly written um it, it's it's just really good. It's just like one of those movies that you're like, this is a good, well-written film. And, you know, so whether you're laughing the whole time or not, you can definitely still appreciate that about it. Um, I mean, I thought the acting was great across the board. Um, and so that that's how I feel about it for me. Personally, I would greenline it. And I think, you know, from a producer standpoint, like you have a very successful property in Frankenstein that just about every person knows. Like, today, every person knows who Frankenstein was. I'm sure mm-hmm. in 1974, everyone knew who Frankenstein was. Uh, you have a director at the height of his career. You have a leading actor who's also at the height of his career, pretty much, coming off a very successful movie in Willy Wonka. Yeah. Um, sign me up. Like, I can't make this fast enough. Well, especially, you know? too, it's like, obviously, you know, this was, like, many, many, you know... This was like pretty much done by the time Blazing Saddles came out. But for people seeing it at the box office, they're going to be like, oh, I just saw him in Blazing Saddles. Exactly. And the same guy just did this awesome movie that I just saw. Yeah, exactly. Let's go. So it's it's got a lot of stuff on its side. Yeah. So yeah, that's a big green. All right. Uh, Do you want me truths in a lie or you want me to save them? Um, I don't know. What do you think? I'm down to do either one. And I, I, I honestly, I kind of want to do it now while we're fresh off the. Let's do it now. Yeah. we can do it now. We can, uh, <laughs> we can do them, so you don't have to wait too long. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a couple of mine, <laughs> actually, because of my love for Marty Feldman, kind of surround by that. Uh, so there was a bit in in the film, uh, of uh, where Marty Feldman's character Igor says, uh, "Walk this way, walk this way, this way." It's it's kind of a bit. Um, this way. It's Talk funny you say that <laughs> because this bit uh, actually inspired the the Aerosmith song "Walk This Way." Hmm. Um, that sounds sus. Th- they saw it and they they liked the bit, and so they created a song title with that name. Okay. Number two. Uh, though he was the obvious inspiration for the role, uh, the Igor-like character in the original Frankenstein was in fact not named Igor but was instead named Fritz. And I'm glad you haven't I'm pretty seen sure that's true. the original one. 
We'll see. Number three. Uh, being surrounded by so many people, Madeline Kahn was constantly cracking up during, ta during takes. Gene Wilder said, she killed every take with her laughter and nothing was done about it. They sometimes had to do as many as 15 takes before she could summon a straight face. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that first one's a lie. <laughs> you think so? Yeah. Well, you would be incorrect. What? <laughs> that is 100% true. They saw that and they were like, wow, I like that. Let's write a song about it. Are you kidding and me? Now, I mean, it, the, the song wasn't about... Like that bit, the song was inspired by sure. because of the line, and obviously the song is different. I can't but believe that. Yeah, the the actually the third one is incorrect. It was actually Gene Wilder who couldn't stop laughing on set. That scans too. Yeah. <laughs> I actually I do feel like I've heard that about him. <laughs> yeah. So uh, there you go. Gotcha. That's Wilder. two weeks in a row. I'm kind I of. I think off. that's three. I'm kind actually, of really. Yeah. Sheesh. <sighs> I'm in your head. Cause, well, because I think you got me the head. two episodes that we sh that we did like oh, two really? weeks ago. Let's go. Let's go. Uh, All yeah. right. That's it. Young Frankenstein slash a little bit of Frankenstein. Definitely green light Young Frankenstein and, you know, got to green light the original as well. The OG. Just for clout. 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. How can you not? Yeah. I mean, granted, some of that movie doesn't necessarily hold up to today. Sure. It's but still I really feel like cool a lot of see. like classics, though, do have 100%. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it paved the way for so many films. Yeah. Like, a lot of people would not have the money they have without yeah, that movie. That is true. Anyway. All right. You're okay, up. Okay, let's move on. So, I am talking about the multi Academy Award winning film mm -hmm. from 2020, mm -hmm. Nomad Land. That's last year, people. Yeah. Although That's the Oscars year. were this year and it was like the worst Oscars ever. Yeah, but correct. Anyways. Anyway. Um, but not the worst Oscars because of this. Um, yeah, so Nomadland, uh, 2020 film directed by Chloe Zhao, mm -hmm. um, who became the first uh, Asian-American woman to be nominated and win a Best Directing Oscar, and only yeah, the Chloe. second woman ever wow. to win a Best Directing Oscar, which is sad, because we've been doing this for like 80 years. <laughs> who was the first? <sighs> Off the top of my head, I don't remember. I remember looking it up when the Oscars first, yeah. when that first happened, but mm. now I don't remember. So look it up. Uh, anyway, uh, this is starring Frances McDormand, and um, there's really only like one other actor in this movie, TBH, because most of the people are actually um, playing themselves. But the other actor is David Strathairn. Strathairn? Okay. I'm not quite sure how to pronounce his last Strathern. name. Strathairn. Yeah. Um, and yeah, written and directed by Chloe Zhao. Uh, it is based on a book by, oh my gosh, I have to scroll down to find her name again. Ah. Uh, based on the book by Jessica Bruder mm. um, of the same name, Nomadland. Um, yeah, so let's do a little summary. Uh, this is the, the summary from the production company, Streetlight. Ooh, okay. Um, following the economic collapse of a company town in rural Nevada, Fern, Frances McDormand, packs her van and sets off on the road, exploring a life outside of a conventional society mm. as a modern-day nomad. The third feature film from director Chloe Zhao, Nomadland features real nomads Linda May, Swanky, and Bob Wells as Fern's mentors and co um, comrades in her exploration through the vast landscape of the American West. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. And uh, there are lots of other actual nomads in it. It's just that those are the three that are mostly featured and sure. also the three that are primarily featured in the book. Okay. Gotcha. Uh Quick interjection, Catherine yes. Bigelow, one for The Hurt Locker in 2009. Ah, uh, that's it, that's it, yes. Um, yeah, anyway, 
I literally watched this movie today. Let's go. <laughs> um, I have had a busy week, and yep. I was going to try and watch Army of the Dead, and then I got asked to stay at work late today, and I was like, I literally will not have time. Yeah. Because it's long. Yeah. Uh, and like I said, this movie was an hour 50. Um, and I think the reason it felt very long is because it's it's so slice of lifey yeah. that it doesn't really have a clear arc. Sure. Like, this movie honestly feels like a documentary in many ways i was gonna say the way even that the synopsis is it sounds almost like a documentary well because it features so many actual people and while there are like a couple liberties taken for the most part they're telling their own true stories huh, okay um so fern francis mcdormand's character is really like um and also the other actor david strathern um they are the only two real like fictional characters in oh, okay. this gotcha um even though they are inspired by like the the culmination of many people's stories, sure. right? Yeah. Um. Anyway, so let's talk about what this movie is really about, because that's the synopsis. So okay. this movie is primarily about people who are like retirement age, right? Mm -hmm. But who, you know, many of them did everything right, like worked their whole lives and then found out, oh, Social Security really is not going to cover my living expenses. Like it'll only give me... 375 a month, 550 oh, wow. a month. You know what yeah. I mean? And so they turn to living in RVs, living in vans, living on the road as kind of their only livable alternative, you know, wow, or okay. for some of them, it was kind of like, you know, there was, um, Swanky. And this was one of the things that was like a slight Liberty. Um, Swanky is a character who really mentors Fern's character, helps her like find food, find stuff. Yeah. Um, just has a friendship with her because so much of that life is being alone. Sure. Um, so in in the movie she has is like dying of cancer um and the actual woman um does has never had cancer is fine but her mm. husband died of brain cancer which is what she has so she sure. said that it was it was close to home for her even though she's not an actor yeah um although i guess she is now technically she is but, now um yeah so oh what was i saying um fictionalized character oh yeah, yeah, yeah. so for some people you know for her for that character, um, going on the road was almost more of a, like, I know I'm going to die. I'm not going to spend the rest of my life in a hospital. Yeah. You know, yeah. it was more of, like, she she literally had a book that was, you know, suicide cocktails and, like, ideas for how to do it yourself, you know? Mm, because yeah. all she really wanted to do was, like, go back to Alaska and, you know, see the landscape that she missed and yeah. then, you know, end her life. Wow. Um, rather than die of cancer. And yeah. now granted, again, that was a character that is not like her actual person, but mm -hmm. she was someone who, you know, had a similar thing of like not being able to really afford living a normal life. Sure. Wanting to travel, um, not wanting to feel like, you know, she's she's wasted her life, yeah. basically. Sure. You know, they, they did tell a story about, um, and I have no idea if this one was true because the guy wasn't there, but it was about, you know, a guy who was like a week away from retirement mm -hmm. and then uh, he had liver failure and died and, you know, he had bought a sailboat for his retirement that he never got to use, mm. you know? So they were, it was a lot of just like talking about not wanting to be that person. Sure, okay. Um, yeah, anyway. However, another, you know, another major part of it is for sure about how um, the... American Dream has failed a lot of people. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Uh, especially Frances McDormand's character. Um, while, again, that is a fictionalized character, um, her character is from the actual town of Empire, Nevada, who, and the town basically, like, mined sheetrock. And then oh. when the economy crashed in 2008, um, the company who did all that, like, literally owned the town. 
and they closed their plant and literally closed the town. Everyone had to relocate. And within six months of the closure, the zip code for the town was discontinued. Wow. Like literally everyone had to leave. It was a town built around this company. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was crazy. Um, Anyway, and yeah, there are actually lots of towns like that, that, you know, their only jobs are really these like manufacturing jobs that come and go. And like, Uh you know, um, there are all kinds of mining towns and it's always like, well, when it runs out, you know, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Anyway. um, Yeah. I already kind of talked about how, you know, this is kind of a hybrid between actual stories and not um the book pretty much only features real stories um and actually focuses on linda may who is one of the um one of the nomads featured in this who basically dreams of building like a self-sustaining uh earth ship so like a house that is completely sustainable out of recycled materials stuff like that sure um yeah let's see so let's talk about writer and director chloe Zhao. um so this is her third feature film Okay. Um, she wrote and directed all three. Um, so her first one was called Songs My Brother Taught Me. Um, it's about a young uh, native boy, you know, fresh out of high school, who mm-hmm. is basically deciding between staying in the town he's in with his family or um, moving out to L.A. with his high school sweetheart. Um, mm. And sort of just, like, the implications of that, you know, how, like... Um, Moving away from, like, his family, but it's also he is in a smaller, more oppressive town. Yeah. Um, deciding between all that stuff. Um, and then the second feature that she wrote and directed is called The Writer. It's about um, a cowboy recovering from an injury, sort of, like, finding his identity again. Hmm. So the thing that all three of these have in common is that they are rustic. Like, <laughs> yeah. this is a woman yeah. who can film a cactus. Yes, she can. And it was kind of funny, you know, it. there was... um, It was definitely on purpose, you know, because there's a little... It's almost like a like a nomad people living in RVs convention of short, sorts. Okay. Like obviously very low budget, but it's kind of just an annual gathering in the desert where they can share stories, share resources. <laughs> yeah, you know, have a community. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And both of the times that comes up in this film, I literally saw the one of the exact same shots of a really spiky cactus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway, but yeah, so all three very scenic movies i would say and all of them are in kind of like the middle of america you know in the desert um all that stuff um yeah like i said this is based on a book by jessica bruder jessica bruder is a journalist who writes about subcultures so she wrote a book about burning man um stuff like that um but for this she actually spent like three years you know, following specifically Linda May around, um, you know, and living this life for herself. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And being able to really, she, uh, she did say, you know, that by the end of this writing process, she actually, you know, she saw all of the nomads around her as like friends, as people, like she felt like part of their community as opposed to an, an outsider, because at that point she was kind of living that life and, you know, was going to this actual RV again, event every year where she would get to see all the same people over and over. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, it just seems like a really cool thing. I really want to read the book now. Yeah, but, it seems really um, interesting. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about Frances McDormand. Um, so she has been working since... Her first IMDb credit was 1984. She was born in 1957, so she was 17 when her wow. first um, with her first credit. Um, She's been working ever since. Is that right? Wait, 5784. Nope, never mind. She was 27. 27? <laughs> I got that wrong. Other. <laughs> but anyway, Other. um but you know, I mean, she's been in all kinds of things, but honestly, like 
her so she won her first Academy Award in 1997 for mm-hmm. Fargo, which I have never seen. So I really heard her name for the first time uh, surrounding three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Yeah. Um, that came out in 2017. She also won an Oscar for Best Leading Actress in that. Yep. Um, and then No Madeline was her third Best Leading Actress Oscar. And mm-hmm. she won her fourth Oscar for that as well as a producer. Oh, okay. She was actually, wait, is this one of my two truths and a lie? No, it's not. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, she was actually the first actress ever to be nominated for um, Best Leading Actress and Producer for the same film. Wow, that's impressive. Which seems weird. It seems like like that would have happened before. Yeah. But, I mean, I know it's happened with men. But then she also won for both of those two. Yeah. Um, let's see. Yeah, so she's been working since the 80s. Um, definitely been in some things that I've heard of you know earlier in her career like she was in raising arizona mm. she was billed fourth and almost famous um she's <laughs> had bless you sorry she's had a lot of big roles and small projects <laughs> and bless you again small roles and big projects um, <laughs> bless you wow oh, i'm done i promise uh so yeah like i said second build in fargo came out in 1996 oh sorry i said 97 but i think it was the 97 oscars that Probably. was why um she did voiceover for madagascar 3 <laughs> Captain Chantal Dubois. Amazing. I love arguably it. the best of the Madagascar movies. Arguably, yes. Um, she also is a Grammy away from an EGOT. She has an EOT. <laughs> Bless you. Oh Sorry, my I god. <laughs> um, she won uh she won two Emmys, one for acting and producing in the HBO miniseries Olivia Olive Kitteridge. That was in 2014. Um she also did some VO for The Good Dinosaur and Isle of Dogs. Oh. Sorry, that's not part of her EOT. Sure. Um, but yeah, like I said, she has four Oscars, three of them for Best Leading Actress. So oh. that's a, quite a feat. It's very much a feat. Um, and she also has um, two Tony nominations. One of them turned into a win. Um, she was nominated for playing Stella in A Streetcar Named Desire on hey, Broadway in the revival. Um, Is that what she won? No, she was just nominated for that one. Um, and then she, I think that was a 97, so she would have been 30. Um, I think that's right. Maybe. Maybe it was 87. I don't know. Um, but she won for uh, Good People in 2011. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think I've heard of Good People. Yeah, I've, I've definitely heard of it. Um, yeah, so very obviously talented, acclaimed oh, yeah. actress. I mean, wow, just incredible. Yeah. And she's also one of those people who um, didn't really get her big break until, you know, I mean, she won her first Oscar at 40. Yeah. And I think that that was really in a way, her big break as well. Even though she's worked a ton, you know, that was kind of where she achieved that mainstream fame was from Fargo. Yeah, I think so. Um, Yeah, so, I mean, you know, she's. I think she's one of those people who, like, a lot of the roles that she's played, I would love to play roles like that when I'm her age. And, you know, she's one of those people who gives me hope where it's like, you know, even if even if we don't crack it in the next 10 years, like, it'll it'll happen someday, you know? Yeah, for sure. Anyway, um... Okay, yeah, let's talk about, um, so, oh, also, the other actor in this movie, um, David Stratham, he's been in, you know, a lot of different things. I think this is probably one of the bigger things he's done. Okay. Um, just in terms of, like, bigger roles. Um, but he was, he was William Seward in Lincoln, um, as of Seward's Folly, who got us Alaska. Um, he was Admiral William Stenz in Godzilla and Godzilla King of Monsters, Hey-o. Jackson. Whoa. Um, yeah, he, he was, um, you know, the namesake of the Sp- Spiderwick Chronicles. He was Spiderwick. Yes, he was. Um. Mr. Wick. 
Yeah, and you know, he I think he was actually in another series that was about the McDonald's Monopoly thing that I talked about on here uh, called wow. McMafia. That's I mean, I have good. to assume that's the same thing. I can't imagine it would be anything yeah, else. Yeah, but it was a TV series as opposed to a docu-series. Oh, um, sure. So I think it was, you know, like, he was probably an actor. Yeah. Um, playing one of the real-life people. Um, yeah, and, you know, he's been in just, like, lots of different stuff, lots of different TV shows, appearances. But, yeah, those are all the the really major things, I think. Gotcha. Um, okay, let's talk about just some awards that this won. And then I'll get into my thoughts. All right. Um, no Man Land Awards. So um, most of these are going to be just about the Oscars. But I mean, they won Best Picture. Okay. They won Best Director. They won Best Leading Actress. That's a lot of them. Um, for Francis. And Francis won two of those. Yeah. Uh, they were also nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Editing, and I think a couple other things. It got it got cut pretty close to when we had to record. Yeah. But, you know, basically, they were nominated for, like, everything. <laughs> and they, they won a lot. Uh, and they won quite a few things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's see. What else was I going to say? I was going to talk about my thoughts. Oh, they also won at, like, the Golden Globes, the BAFTAs, um, I yeah. think the Spirit Awards as well. And, um... Some of Chloe Zhao's other films were nominated for Spirit Awards as well. Let's go. Um, yeah. Okay, so my thoughts. Let's talk about your thoughts. So, like I said, this film was an hour 50, but felt very long. I mean, yeah. I think I felt like I had already been watching for, like, two hours. Mm. And then I checked the time, and I still had, like, 23 minutes left. Yeah. You know, and then that last 23 minutes felt like about 45 minutes. Yeah. However, I do think it was a really, really good movie. And I thought it was incredibly directed. I thought that that directing award was very well-deserved. I thought mm. that Frances McDormand's performance was definitely deserving uh, of a lead actress Oscar. Yeah. Um, I don't know that it deserved Best Picture. I haven't okay. seen... I didn't see a ton of the other films that were nominated for Best Picture this year. But while it is like a compelling and important story, and I think that the amount of truth that there is to this story is very compelling. Yeah. I, while I love a slice of life, I think this film is so slice of life that you it's like, a slice of life. it's, it's hard to know where you are in the movie, which is why it feels so long. You know, it's yeah. hard to know how much you have left when the, the arcs are so subtle. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, cause I felt like there were a lot of small individual arcs Yeah, and then the overarching thing was basically like one year in the life of this person, you know, yeah. um, there were all kinds of different challenges of like, she had uh, a seasonal job. She basically bounced back and forth between seasonal jobs and traveled. Oh, okay. yeah. Um, so like it starts with her at Amazon. It ends with her at Amazon. Oh. Amazon apparently has a program called camper force where they will like seasonally hire people who. Oh, live okay. in campers. Um, so that's interesting. I guess they get passes to park in certain places and hmm. stuff like that while they're working. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so, but you know, it was also interesting too that she like straight up worked for Amazon, not a company like Amazon. Like she worked for, for Amazon. Amazon yeah. um, and they like showed the inside of the warehouse and everything. Yeah. Um, and you know, the reason I think Amazon didn't have a problem with that is because while they clearly weren't really, you know, giving her a long-term job or really paying her enough to live it was yeah. also like the best money she made all year for sure you know um but the thing is that isn't saying much yeah um but yeah you know it it had uh kind of started there ended there also started and ended with her visiting um her storage unit in empire nevada where all of her old stuff was and everything mm. um you know 
at the beginning she got just a couple things and then at the end she kind of gives it all away um decides to empty out the storage unit and sort of let go of that past life that she had um and you know there are a couple different other repeating moments like she has a very sad new year celebration where she wears a little happy new year crown uh-huh. in her camper and yeah. like eats some soup and it's like really sad and then the one after is like still looks a little sad like with the same crown but she like yeah. lights a sparkler and is going around to other people in campers and you know wishing them happy new year um it, it definitely feels like a somber film <laughs> i'd I think there are enough moments of joy in it where it's not just like depressing. Okay. But at the same time, I think those few moments of joy are what make you really attached to the characters because I was really sure. attached to the characters. Yeah. I think it's just like the the story was a little it it just like didn't quite feel like a a structured movie. Yeah. I okay. guess, sure. you know, like again because it was so slice of life. Like I mean, it even felt because I feel like documentaries are almost like super structured. You know what I mean? Sure. And this didn't have the structure of a documentary. Okay. Gotcha. Um, yeah, it was very much just like a year in the life of of this person. Okay. Um, however, you know, I thought it was a beautifully shot film, a beautifully directed film. I, again, thought the characters were very, very compelling, um, especially knowing that a lot of them were just people sharing their stories. Um, yeah, I thought it was... Very compelling, um, and I really enjoyed it. And considering its incredible success, yeah, I would definitely greenlight it. A big old green from Lauren. Yeah. We got two greens yeah. this week, folks. It's kind of one of those movies where it's like, I don't think I'd watch it again, but I'm definitely glad that I watched it. Okay, cool. So, yeah. All right. Truth me and lie me. <sighs> okay, let's go. Um, okay. First one I have is kind of a long one. The statement itself is short, but I do have like uh, an example. Okay. Okay. So here is the either truth or lie. Um, Many of Frances McDormand's co-stars who were the actual nomads did not know that she was an actress. Like the whole time they were shooting did not know she was an actress. Um, So a specific example, there's a really emotional scene, um, probably one of the most emotional scenes where um, this guy, Bob, who real guy runs this, you know, convention that I was talking about, um, basically has dedicated his life to helping people. Yeah. Um, and this part is not part of the lie. Okay. Or truth or whatever, you know. Okay. Um, this is like 100% true. Okay. Um, so in this scene, Bob basically is talking about how, you know, like... They're basically talking about grief because Frances McDormand's character is a widow. Yeah. Um, she talks about how, you know, like she spent so much of her life remembering him. That was part of why she stayed in Empire for so long. And then it crashed down around her and she kind of lost everything. Yeah. And then, you know, Bob shares about his um, son who committed suicide five years prior. Uh-huh. And they sort of just like share their grief with each other. And it's a really touching and emotional moment. Okay. So there's that. Um, how, so how, basically. So how did that have to do with that? Because after that scene was shot, um, Bob went up to Frances McDormand and was like, hey, you know, I really appreciate you trusting me enough to tell me that story. And Frances was like, I am actually an actor and my husband isn't dead. Okay. And yeah. Sure. Anyway. Um, yeah. So that's like kind of the example from gotcha. that. So so the statement is many of Frances's co-stars who were the actual nomads did not know she was an actress. Okay. Um, okay. Another one. Um, the author of the book was an extra in this film for a week while they shot in Arizona. Okay. And then the last one. 
Uh, Frances McDormand actually lived in and slept in her van in the film named Vanguard for the duration of the shoot. Um, I'm going to say the second one is a lie. The second one. Okay, so that is the extra. author of the book was an extra. Yeah. That's true. Dang, what's a lie? So uh, the lie is about her living in and sleeping in her van the whole shoot. She actually did try it for part of the shoot. And then she uh, she had a quote on IMDb that was like, um, you know, it's better for me to pretend to be exhausted than uh, to actually be exhausted. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I really could not believe that they let him pour out his heart about his son. Yeah. And like, and then she was just like, uh, uh, uh. Yeah, she was like, Sorry. my husband's alive, actually. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Sheesh. Sheesh. <sighs> That's wild. Yeah. Uh, well, because well, right. I, I don't know what they told them, and like that maybe they were shooting a documentary or something. Probably. Like, because a lot of them apparently just thought that Frances McDormand like was an actual nomad living on the road huh. with them. Well, good job for her, I guess. She did yeah. a good job. Uh, anyway. Okay. Cool. Whew. That's our episode for this week. Yeah, folks. that's our episode. That's Go it. check out Nomad and Young Frankenstein. Yes. Nomad Land. Sorry. What is Nomad Land on? Uh, it's on Hulu. For oh, some so reason, Just, just Watch said that it was on um, Disney Plus. Oh. I don't know why it would be on Disney Plus, but it's on Hulu. Uh, I mean, I guess Hulu well, I guess and Disney. That's or, true. Uh, Disney, Disney does own Hulu. a lot of Hulu. Yeah. yeah so. Anyway. Well, all right. Yeah. That's it for us. Uh, thank you for listening. And we'll see you next week with our uh, old format. Yeah. Old new format. All right. Boom. Love you guys. Love you.